Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. God is going to allow us today to open up his word and continue a study that we're doing together that has to do with, as we've started the new year, and what a good way to start it, by inviting Jesus Christ to come into your life. Or, if you've already done that, to recognize what that means, that Jesus lives in your life, and how that affects everything you do. And the first sermon that I preached was just to simply share with you that as the world is looking for God, Jesus said back in the book of John, he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. He's the only one that could say that. But 2,000 years later, Jesus has ascended into heaven, but before he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm going to leave you the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit, representing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, will come to live in your life when you invite Jesus to come in. So when the world sees you, they see Jesus. Secondly, once Jesus comes into your heart, he says, now that you're here, now that you're sitting in the back seat, let me tell you what your job is. Follow me. That was his simple commandment. Follow me. Well, now, what do I do now? I'm a Christian. Follow me. First command the Lord said is be baptized. That was fulfilling a commandment of the Lord after you become a believer. You're to picture the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which made it possible for you to be saved. Pictures also what happened to you, that Jesus came into your heart, you died to the old life of sin, now you're raised to walk in a new life. I want you to notice every time people are baptized, uh, here in this baptistry or out at the cross, they have a T-shirt on. And in the front, it says the same thing, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Whether they're nine years old or 90 years old, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Obviously, for the nine-year-old, there wasn't as much to forgive as there was for the 90-year-old. But the point is, they have both been made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. So follow me. Now, that is a commandment that we are to obey. Now, today, we're going to take it a little further. It's going to get a little bit harder. I mean, those first two, I mean, that's easy. Write Jesus into your heart and follow him. That's not, you know, it doesn't take rocket scientists thinking to do that. Just simply obey what I tell you to do, uh, and I'm going to go with you. Not very long after those things happen that you begin to deal with an issue. Because it will not be long before God's ways, which are so much higher than man's ways, direct your paths in a direction that you had not planned to go on. In other words, you were already on a road and you really didn't expect to veer very much. But God comes and he speaks into your life from the scriptures, in your prayer time, in your quiet time. He tells you what he has planned for you and you are to follow him. Now, since his way doesn't agree with your way, even though his way is higher than your way, and, his, and our wisdom is foolishness to him, in spite of all of that, there comes a test. 
That's what we're going to deal with today. The test is, can you trust him? It's one thing for somebody to say, get in the back seat of the car, we're going somewhere. You get in the back seat of the car, you look up there, and you see where the car is headed, and you wonder, wait, when I got in this car, I didn't know you were going there. I thought you were going here. This is where I like to go. You're going there. Now you got to either jump out or trust him. That's the way it is. You can't jump out when you get saved. You're bought with a price. You're a slave to Jesus. Can't get away. But he said, I'm not going to withhold any good thing from you, so now you're on a journey. Today what I want to talk to you about is can you trust God? Can you trust him? Now, it's not as easy as you might think. It's easy to say it. Sure, I trust him. Oh, yeah, I trust God. No, wait a minute. We're going to go kind of deep this morning and talking about some things. They won't be so deep that I can't understand them, so I know you'll be able to understand them. But I want you to think with me, can you really trust God? And I hope when you leave here, you can say, I sure can, because I understand. So I want to start off by reading a couple of scriptures to you. Uh, there's so much we could say just about exegeting or explaining the scripture, but they're pretty clear as to what they say, and I think that all of us will be able to kind of move forward together. I'm going to take you to the 50th Psalm, Psalm 50. In this 50th Psalm, I'm going to read one verse. <clears throat> it is a word of instruction from the psalmist as to what do you do when life begins to bring adversity, difficulty, roadblocks, suffering, pain. How do you handle it? Can you trust God? So would you just stand very briefly while I read this scripture? We stand out of respect to the word. Psalm 50, verse 15. Listen to these words. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. And then over in the book of Proverbs, a one-liner, like a lot of the Proverbs are, that just hits right to the heart that we must understand the first verse. Proverbs 27. Boast not yourself of tomorrow, for you know not what another day is going to bring. Let's think about that for a moment. Would you be seated? Thank you for standing out of respect to God's holy word. Well, we're into the new year. We're approaching the end of the second month. Some of you are already looking forward to 2015 so you can make some more New Year's resolutions. Because a lot of the wheels have come off already in these few days of what you thought. You not only weigh less, but you weigh more. You, know, you don't have more energy, you have less. You don't feel better, you feel worse. You don't have more friends, you got fewer. And the list goes on and on. Because life is that way. And in our uh, attempt to try to make God look good, and by the way, you don't have to make God look good. God looks good <laughs> all the time. He wants to make you look good and me look good. But we have our health problems. Some of you have had new health problems this year. 
Some have had termination of your job or you didn't get the promotion or the raise that you expected, you prayed for, you asked for. Your relationships and with your parents or with your brother, your sister, or your mom, your dad, or your boss, or your fellow workers, or your neighbors, or what, maybe even your spouse, they're not going good. Not what you planned. Financial struggles. You got in trouble Christmas. You couldn't refrain. Much as the Lord told you to hold back, you know you had to do it. Maybe your child's gone into rebellion. Maybe there's been a miscarriage. And yes, death. We've already stood by the graveside of several we loved this year. Now, here's what I want you to think about. I don't want you to get to feeling bad. Did God know that was going to happen? Did he know how you were going to react to how it was going to happen? Maybe you've cried your eyes out. Love is a price you, I mean, grief is a price you pay for having loved. Jesus knows what it's like to weep at his friend Lazarus' grave. But you see, we weren't expecting that. Now, yours may not be that big. It may be you lost your notes to study for your final exam, or uh, you tore your dress coming in the parking lot, or you are not sure uh, whether you... Uh, scratched the car last night or not. Uh, I mean, it could be big stuff like that, you know. But the point is, life doesn't go always like his plan. Now again, God lives in your life if you're a believer. If he lives in your life, he said, you're going to follow me. He said, I'm trying to do that. But I didn't know this was going to happen. I'm going to tell you again, he knew it was going to happen. Now you didn't know it was going to happen. He knew it was going to happen. And because that he is in you, now we can deal with it. We can look very, very clearly. Adversity has a lot of emotional pains. Some of you cried yourself to sleep, no question about it. Not only do we struggle with our own difficulties, but we, we, we struggle with the difficulties of others, members of our family, people that are close friends. And we hurt because they hurt. They're those that have watched the news and become very concerned. And somebody said if, if when historians record our generation, they may call us the age of anxiety. We're so anxious, we're so nervous, we just don't know what we're going to hear on the news when we get home. And even a Christian is tempted to ask, ask a question, where is God? Where's God in all this? Now, if you're not a believer, that's a pretty good question, as it could be in a lot of places. In other words, where is God? Well, he could be here, here, there, there, here, wherever, if you're not a Christian. But now, for those of you that are believers, where is God? Somebody asks you, where is God? Well, I think I see him in the trees. I think I see him in the sunrise this morning. I think I saw this. No, 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 no. Where is God? Believers, right here. You ask me how I know he lives, how? He lives within my heart. So if God lives in you, believers, and you're going through adversity and you're going through tough times and you say, where is God? God, where are you? He says, do you remember how this journey began? You're looking out here. I'm in here. I'm living in your life. You're not telling me anything. You don't have to. And by the way, you don't have to tell God all the problems you have. 
He knew you've got, he knows you got them, and he knew you were going to have them before you got them. And what you need to say is, God, I know I've got some problems, and I want to deal with them, and I want to please you. And I want you to guide me. I want you to help me. I want you to show me. Lord, what would you have me to do? I don't have to look for God. I'm looking for you to help me in my unbelief. When you go back and read the Bible, Old and New Testament, there's so many characters. When you get to heaven, don't tell Noah about the Sagemont flood that you had to go through in 1979 when you lost everything you had in your garage. Don't, don't, don't fool with that. You know, don't, don't tell Job about the surgery that you had and how tough it's been physically and how much. Don't do that. I mean, you can name, name your anxiety and you can go in the Bible and you will find God's kids that went through that to help you go through it when you, you would have some idea. It does, it's not always the same. It's not a mirror, but it certainly gives you some indication that when Job comes out and he has twice what he had when he went in, when he lost his health, his family, his wealth, everything he had, and God doubles it. There was one spot for that ark to land there was one mountain that was above the water and it could land and two by two. You know all of those stories. Yeah, but that's Bible. Yeah. No, that's God. And the same God of Noah and the same God of Moses and the same God of all these other Bible characters, Paul, the Apostle Paul, been shipwrecked in prison, done this, done that. Hey, the same God that was them is going with you. Now the problem is, do you trust him and do I trust him like they trusted him? That's the, that's the issue. Do I really trust him? God's people are never immune for pain and, from pain and testing. If you watch enough television preaching, you'll think everybody's supposed to be healthy and wealthy. That's just God's will for everybody. It is not God's will for everybody. It is God's will for everybody that he be glorified. Whether in pain or, or in sickness or whether in health and full of energy, in my life, Lord, be glorified. And a natural question is, it's a normal question, where is God in all of this? In other words, I know God is in me, but where is God in all of this that's going on around me? I don't see God. Well, he's there, so trust him. Any of you ever do those, been sitting in an airport and your flight was canceled maybe when you might do this, and you see this picture and there's six things that they're not alike and you're supposed to find them. Well, you can find about three of them just like that. Another three, it takes you three flights and two reservations to six cities maybe to find them if you don't cheat and look back at, at the uh, answers. That's kind of the way life is. There's some things in my life I can see God in it just as big as if it was 10 foot tall sign. There's other things. God, I know you're here. Come on, God, where are you hiding? You know, I, I need you because I don't understand. And you know how I am when I don't understand. I'm susceptible to throwing a hissy. <laughs> and when I throw the hissy, God, you know, a lot of people get hissed on around me. 
And so if you don't want me to cause a lot of trouble, you better reveal yourself right now. Well, God's got a sense of humor. He can handle that. And God has a way, folks, when we've left him out of our life to bring things into our lives to get us back to him. That's just the way he is. That's just the way he is. He wants you to fellowship with him. He wants you to know that if nobody loves you, he does. If nobody can help you, he can. If nobody cares, he cares. In Psalm 32:10, is this really true? Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the, in the Lord, mercy shall compass about him. In other words, he says the wicked, a lot of bad things are going to happen to them, and it doesn't say they're not going to happen to you, but when they do, you are going to be surrounded by the love, mercy, and grace of God. And as you move through this time, you're going to be able to see him standing somewhere in the shadows. You will see Jesus. The question, can you trust God, has two possible meanings. Number one, is he dependable in time of adversity? Is he dependable? Second one is, do you have such a relationship with God and such confidence in him that you can believe he is with you in your adversity, in your adversity, even if you don't have the evidence right now? I know you're here, but I have no evidence that you're here. Now, those are tough questions. And God doesn't mind you asking them. Because all through the scripture, he's, he's put those little jewels. The reason I tell you so often, read the Proverbs every day. There's something in the proverb today that'll help you. If you will just go and read that 16th proverb, God will speak to you in one of the verses. He has put out the clues. He's put out the evidence. Trusting God when you're in pain, it's not easy, but it is a necessity. I'll show you in just a moment. Paul pleaded three times. Paul, when he wrote so much of the New Testament, he pleaded three times. He had a thorn in his flesh, and the theologians don't know what the thorn was. So far, I've never read a book where anyone can nail down what the thorn was. I think maybe that's so that all of us couldn't say, well, I didn't have that thorn in my flesh. Mine's another thorn. I just think he just let it be whatever you want it to be. Three times Paul said, take out the thorn, take out the thorn, take out the thorn. That's the way I pray. Dear God, do this, do that. You know, I find myself, I have to zip my lips up sometimes. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know what Paul got from God? He said, I'm going to do something better. What do you mean you're going to do something better? I'm going to be with you through it. I'm not going to take it away. But you're going to find my grace sufficient. It's so funny when guys go out and buy boats to go out in the Gulf. One of the things they want to know is how seaworthy is this boat. And it's always good to make all those payments knowing that you've got a boat with a radio in it and it's seaworthy, which means something. I don't know what that means, but anyway, it means it's supposed to get you back. 
And so you go down and you tell all your buddies, look what I got. Come over here and look at this boat. I just want you to know it'll take 16-foot seas. It'll do this and do that. And I had to pay a little bit for it, but it's this, this, and this. And all the time they're thinking, I had never been in any 16-foot seas. And one day they are. Now, if they were obnoxious before they bought the boat, they are sure enough obnoxious after they bought the boat because I told you, I told you, I told you, of course, about three times they almost jumped out of the boat, but still it made it as the manufacturer said. It's one thing to take, say God's grace is sufficient when it's calm. It's another thing to say God's grace is sufficient when you go through the storm. But when you go through the storm, and as Paul did in many different ways, every time he came out, he wrote another book. And those books have lived today to encourage us and when Paul says, for me to live is Christ, we know about the missionary journeys, the shipwrecks, the persecution, all of that stuff. And he's saying, I've been through it, and God has been sufficient for me. The writer of the Hebrews said, listen to this one in the 12th chapter, no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. You say, well, I can identify with that one. That's Hebrews 12, 11. We're not sure who wrote Hebrews. You say, well, I could have wrote it. I might file a copyright on it. Because you see, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. I find in my life, and I think you will in yours if you'll be honest, it's a lot easier to obey God than it is to trust God. Because when you trust God, you're already into the mess. And you know, most of the time, you're more responsible for the mess you're in than he is responsible for the mess you're in. Obeying God. It's worked out in real defined boundaries. The Ten Commandments, whatever. But not trusting God. Trusting God is not this, 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 this. It's just faith, 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 faith. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. And whatever you're going through, I've been through it a thousand times. That's what he's saying. But it's so important to trust him. When you know you're trying to do something wonderful for your children, for your children and they won't trust you, does it bother you? When you know your grandchildren but for whatever reason no I don't want to eat that no I don't want to go there no I don't want to do that you know what I'm talking about let me ask you another question now would you just close off your world just a minute just just you I want you to think about any situation you want to think about because everybody's from a different background have you ever known a family that child or children got everything they wanted from the time they were born until they graduated from college maybe whatever they wanted they got it and the family did anything they could to see that they got it if they wanted money they got money if they wanted a car they got a car if they want to go to college they got a college they went to college I mean they were absolutely got everything they wanted when they wanted and what they wanted and you tell me how they turned out you don't have to tell me. You just think about it and take that sermon home with you and ask yourself, 
See, God doesn't spoil his kids like we do. God says every once in a while, you need a good whipping. Oh, no, the courts don't let you do that. You know, they'll send the protection society out. God said, well, they won't send them up here, and I'm going to spank you good. <laughs> because what you've done, I mean, by my grace, you survive. Next time, you're going to get killed. I'm not fooling with that stuff. Now, is that love? Is it, love? is it hate or love when a parent disciplines his child? When they train up a child to know, listen, the church and God's people and the government isn't going to supply all your needs for the rest of your life. You need to get a J-O-B job. Is that okay? Because you see, we have a whole generation of people said, I'm not about to get a job because if I get a job, I'll make mess, less money than I'm making from all my friends giving me money, the church giving me money, and the government giving me money, and everybody else giving me money, and my name is Jimmy, and what you going to give me, and then I know where to get it, and I know every place in town. God says, ain't going to happen that way with me. The sweat of a working man is sweet, the Bible says. Learning to say no and then watch what happens to those that say yes. It's God's way of saying to you, you see, now are you glad you didn't marry him? Are, are you glad you broke up with him? Are you glad that you didn't make that foolish decision that you almost made? See, that's the way God does. He knows our future. So sometimes he has to be very strong with us because if he didn't, we would jump in it and he knows what we're going to do. And he says, I love you too much. I know every one of you came from strict homes, heard exactly what I heard all my life. This hurts me more than it does you. <laughs> you remember that spanking? I just want you to know it hurts me. I said, no, not in the same places. <laughs> you know, it, it's not hurting you. But now when I got old, I understood. And we understand. Because what we want to do is to say, look, I got a plan for you. And that's not included in the plan. It's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require some hard work. It's going to require some energy, whatever. But that's what I've got planned for you. And I do want you to know this. If we disobey God, we know it angers God. But when we don't trust him, it upsets him as well. Over here, it's easy. Thou shalt not. They're all through the Bible. The Ten Commandments, so many. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt. When we disobey God, it, it, it hurts God. But when we don't trust God, it hurts Him more. Because He knows what He's got planned. He knows how you must change from your way of thinking in order to accomplish what I've got planned for you. Let me leave you three thoughts real quick. Number one, we must always view our adverse circumstances through the eyes of faith, not common sense or finite understanding, but by faith. As I said earlier, this journey began by faith. By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of work, lest any man should boast. That's the way it started. Then the Bible says the just shall live by faith. That's where we are now. One day we will understand, but right now by faith, God, if you say no or if you allow this to happen, then I'm willing. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
God is sovereign. God has infinite wisdom. And God has perfect love. Not part of the time, all the time. When we read in Lamentations, there's a scripture that gives us some problems because of our concept of God rather than who God is. Now, Jeremiah is writing. He's a weeping prophet. He writes in third chapter, Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Does that fit your theology? Well, if God is so good, why did he allow that calamity? The floods, the earthquakes, the starving. There it says, God the Most High. From his mouth comes both. Look in the 32nd verse. Though he brings grief, he'll show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. We always put the sovereignty of God and think it's always good from our perspective. Before we go home, I want to call your, to a, your attention back to a very familiar story that maybe if you think about it this afternoon, it'll help you understand the sermon better. Let me take you back to the book of John, but take you back to Pilate and Jesus. You remember when Pilate said to Jesus, do you realize how much power I've got? He said, I have power to free you or to crucify you. Remember that passage of Scripture? What Pilate said. I can crucify you or I can free you. You remember what Jesus answered? Jesus said, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Satan is allowed to go so far, but only if God allows it, like Job. Satan came to Job. He said, that guy, I curse you and die if you take all this stuff away from him. He said, well, you try him. Could Satan have done it without God permitting it to be done? No, he could not have done it. Can bad things happen to you if God doesn't allow them? No, they cannot. It's very clear. Everything about your life, I either direct it or I allow it to happen. But all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose, and that's us, the kids. And we're all equal inheritors. Don't worry about the, famous, the favorite kid that's going to get more at the will. Enter now the joy of the Lord. 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 You remember all that sickness, death, heartache, all that? There'll be no more. That's what the Bible says. But here... We have to deal with it. So as we go today, learn to deal with it. Just learn to deal with it. Just take this moment as we look at what today holds, not knowing what it's going to hold. God is also a sovereign God. His sovereignty is exercised with infinite wisdom, infinite wisdom, far beyond our ability to understand or comprehend. It's just never going to change. Romans 11, 30, 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths are beyond tracing, finding out or tracing out. That's the way God is. 
We're not going to understand it, but we'll trust him. Finally, in order to trust God, you got to know him. <laughs> you know the reason a lot of us don't trust him? Not us. I can't put us in there. A lot of you. You know why you can't trust him? Because you don't know him. You know his ways, but you don't know him. You know a little bit about the scripture, what Christians are supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do, but you don't know him personally. Because to know him, to love him. And to know him and to know he loves you is to know that his grace was sufficient because you'd have never been saved if it had been up to you to straighten it out. Some of you tried for a long time to straighten it out. But one day you said, I'm going to come as a little child. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. And that day Jesus came into your heart. And what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came in to my heart. Are those people not going to ever have problems again? Oh, they're going to have problems just like Jesus did. And you do, and I do. That's our world. That's the reason there's going to be a heaven. No more of all this mess. No more temptation. Can you imagine? No more temptation. Not only is the devil not going to be there, temptation not going to be over there. And we can take it from here, and we can go and be what God wants us to be. Here's what Psalms 9:10 says. Those who know your name, listen to this, will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those that seek you. Do you need to go to seminary to understand that verse? Those who know you know that you're to be trusted. Maybe today, the reason that all of us are here is to be better prepared for what tomorrow brings. Maybe I'm talking to somebody today, you're on the threshold of getting trapped again because you're thinking the way you thought the first time around in this same problem. You're doing exactly what you did the first time with the same problem and you think you're going to get different results. You're not going to. Do it God's way. Trust him. Trust him, trust him, trust him, trust him. In the old church, we used to sing invitation hymn, only trust him, only trust him. He'll save you. But you've got to trust him. He's trustworthy. He'll never fail. But he will not allow you to do your own thing. Remember the first sermon, we're slaves, we're servants, we're slaves. But Jesus became a servant when he could become whatever he wanted. To serve the Father, not my will, but thine be done. And by the sovereign will of God, Jesus Christ was crucified. So what about us? Can we be crucified? All the disciples died as martyrs. Yeah. So what are we going to do? Trust him. Trust him. It's getting kind of simple, isn't it? Invite him in. Obey him. Trust him. I wish it was as easy as saying it. But I know one thing. God wants to guide your life. But you've got to trust him. It won't be your way. It won't be your way. It'll be his way. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's the words of Jeremiah, the prophet. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil, 
that gave you a future and a hope. Will you trust him today? Will you do as some have done earlier today? You saw two in the baptistry, trusted Jesus this morning. Came up here slaves to the world, going home. Slaves to God and free from the bondage of this world. Now they're heirs of God and joined heirs with Jesus Christ. Throughout this building today, people made that decision. You can make it today. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to sign up and get in the drawing. Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. The way we end our services, on Sunday morning, we will stand. We'll sing one verse of Jesus paid it all. When we stand, I'm going to ask that no one move unless you're going to the Connection Center, which is the big lobby, not the one you came and walked through out there where the divine servant is, Jesus washing Peter's feet and the mural, and not there. Back this way, under that terrace, there's a, a big private room. You can go and pray with somebody, talk to somebody, get your questions answered. Yes, you can join the church. Yes, you can schedule your baptism if you've already asked Jesus into your heart. But you haven't trusted him enough to know that if he told you to be baptized, he has a reason he wants for you to be baptized. And so would you today, when we sing one verse, would you make your way there? No one else leaving the building, please. This is just about 30 or 40 seconds where only the tension needs to be on those that need to begin their walk of trusting God. Let's all stand together and we will sing. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.